Lord, give me life. I know the life you have for me is abundant, full of good things. God, all I want is you. Pour into my heart until you begin to overflow. Teach me what it means to live the blessed life. Welcome this weekend. We're glad you're here. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, right now online, maybe listening to a podcast or uh, uh, online with our online congregation. And uh, those of you who are in uh, the campuses or in one of the venues here at Long Point, glad you are along today too. Great day. Would you agree? Great day to worship the Lord. And uh, all right, good, good. Well, I, it is my honor uh, this weekend to... Uh, introduce our speaker, and actually, if you were here last weekend, you heard uh, Robert Morris. What an incredible, uh, incredibly challenging message. I hope you were challenged. I know I was. And he's going to continue our series on the blessed life this weekend. Just a little bit about Robert. Uh, he's the pastor at Gateway uh, Church in Dallas, Texas, which is really one of the leading churches in America. It's one of the largest churches. But not just that. There is a sense of uh, just God's spirit and an anointing for leadership on Robert and his congregation here in America and around the world. Uh, we do um, several of the worship uh, songs. Carrie Job is their worship leader. Some of you have heard of her. And I know we do Revelation song here and at the various campuses. And uh, so their their church is impacting uh, America uh, in worship and in teaching and and uh, just all around the world. So it's a real privilege for me to welcome. Uh, this morning, uh, Robert Morris, would you welcome him as he comes and just shares with us? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is great. It is great to be back with you guys. Uh, I told you that my wife and I uh, celebrated our 31st wedding anniversary this year. I didn't tell you, though, that uh, just a little bit about us. Uh, we have three uh grown and married children. And if you don't know what that means, uh, that our children are grown and married, let me give you the translation. What that means is that Debbie and I are now wealthy. So, because <laughs> kids are gone. So we actually have two grandchildren and uh, one on the way. And uh, just a, a one grandchild story. Uh, I'm sure Pastor Greg every now and then has to give a grandchild story. And so uh, I said, I used to say, I'll never do that. Uh, but my grandchildren are so smart and so gifted that it, it just necessitates it. So, <clears throat> but my grandson's four years old and he began preschool uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, the teacher was taking him and showing him around. And uh, so they uh, went in this one room and he said, now in this room, do we read books or play with toys? And she said, well, uh, this is our classroom, so in this room we will read books. And he said, mm-hmm, I'm going to need to see the toys. So. <laughs> and then just one other thing he said, uh, uh, he said, while they're walking around, he said, now I need to let you know, this is a four-year-old, I need to let you know that I'm only going to be here five weeks. And she said, oh, really? And he said, yes, and then I'm going to be the boss of somebody. So, <laughs> so I, don't know, I don't know where he gets that. Uh, probably my wife, she's very bossy. So, and that's, that's not the truth at all. So, All right, uh, turning your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. 
Exodus chapter 13. Last weekend, we talked about the principles of multiplication. We talked about two of them. And this weekend, I want to talk to you about the principle of first. The principle of first. Exodus chapter 13. And let me just make this as an opening statement. If God is first in your life, then everything else will come in order. Everything. Family, finances, health, marriage, relationships, everything. And now I'm not saying, I didn't say you'll never have problems. I'm not saying you'll never go through storms. But I'm saying everything is in order when God's first. When God is not first, everything is out of order. And when we talk about, we're relating this to finances. And let me tell you why the blessed life relates to finances. The name of this series is not the blessed checkbook. It is the blessed life. But it, it, it lines up, it, it um, affects every area of your life, your finances, every area. And here's the reason why. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I've even heard pastors misquote that verse. They've said, you know, the Bible says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. That's not what he said. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Your heart actually follows your treasure. If you want your heart in the kingdom, put your treasure there. If you want your heart in missions and outreach and, so, and helping people and serving, you put your treasure there because your heart follows your treasure. Think about it this way. Um, if you begin investing in a stock, you'll start going on the web and checking on that stock. But you've never checked on it before, and you really don't care what it does until you put your treasure there. And when you put your treasure there, part of your heart's there. So we need to understand when I say if God's first, I'm going to say something now. It's kind of challenging. I've been here one week, so hopefully you'll forgive me, okay? But if you tell me God's first in your life, let me see your check register. I can tell you who's first, and I can tell you, and you can look at my check register, and every time I get paid, the first check, the first check goes to the church. And it's extremely important what we do with the first portion of our income every time we get paid. So let me show you this principle from Scripture, and it's all through Scripture, and it's in several different ways in Scripture. Exodus chapter 13, look at verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Or, or in other words, it belongs to me. The firstborn belongs to me. Then you go down, look at verse 12. Then you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's or shall belong to the Lord. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, watch this, then you shall break its neck. Let let me just say this. If you don't give the first to God, you're going to lose it anyway. So many people don't realize this. The tithe is going out of your account one way or the other. It's either going to be brought to the house of God or it's going to be devoured. But it's going out. If you don't give it, here's what he said. If you won't give me the firstborn, then you're going to have to break its neck. You're still going to lose it. You either get to bring it to God or lose it. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, I have three points. Here's the first one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. The firstborn must 
be, according to this verse, must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, how do you know which you are supposed to do with the firstborn? How do you know if you are to sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, it's very simple, and he gives two analogies to help us understand it. And then there are other passages that talk about this as well. But just for time's sake, we're just reading this one. Okay, here's how you know. If, if your animal is a clean animal, then the firstborn has to be sacrificed, such as a lamb. If your animal is an unclean animal, such as a donkey, then it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Now, let me say that again. I know this is kind of Old Testament-y. I know that. I know it sounds like, well, what, that doesn't have anything to do with us. Please, please, please hear me. 1 Corinthians 10 says, everything, everything that happened to them is an example and instruction to us. Colossians tells us that it's a foreshadow of Christ. We need to be looking for Christ through the whole Old Testament. And I'm going to show you in just a moment what we just read that seems just like it would never have anything to do with us. This is actually talking about Jesus. I'm going to show that to you in just a moment. Okay, so let me say it again. The clean had to be sacrificed. The unclean had to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. I'll say it one more time. The clean firstborn had to be sacrificed. The unclean firstborn had to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. All right, let's bring this to us. What does this mean? Let me just ask you a question, especially those of you who are parents here. Um, were, were we born, and you can answer me, okay, all the campuses, were we born clean or unclean? Unclean, right? We were born in sin. And again, I, the, the, I, but my witnesses are all the parents that are here. I can ask you a very simple question. Did you have to teach your children to be bad? No. <laughs> or did it come naturally for them? naturally right okay so we're all born unclean we're born in sin the bible says we're born with a sin nature a sin bent okay that's the first question here's the second question was jesus born unclean or clean clean the bible says he was born without sin okay listen to me listen here it is the clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed That's what we just read. Now, I'm going to say something else that's actually going to shock you. The first always represents the tithe. You see, you have to give the tithe first. It doesn't take faith to give the tenth one. It takes faith to give the first one. God didn't say, after your sheep has ten, then give me the tenth one. That's not, that doesn't take faith. It takes faith to give the first one when that's the only one you have in hopes of others. Let me say it again. The only one. Listen for God so loved the world that he gave his only. Let me say it another way. According to the Bible, and the New Testament tells us this, his firstborn. His firstborn. Okay, now maybe you've never thought about it. I'm going to stretch you for a moment. Jesus is God's tithe. Because you give the tithe in faith. You give the tithe when you only have one in hopes of more. And Romans actually tells us that God gave Jesus, listen to this, in faith, in hope that we would believe. God didn't wait until we straightened up to give Jesus. 
While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God gave Jesus when we were beating Him, mocking Him, and nailing Him to a tree. So please hear me. This is so personal to me, but it's more personal to God. When people speak negatively about the tithe, it breaks my heart because they don't know what they're talking about. Because they're talking negatively about Jesus. It is so important to understand that we give the first to God because God gave the first to us. And here's what he's saying. When, you, when, you, when your animal has a, a firstborn, you give the first one to me. And here's, listen what he's saying. The rest is redeemed. The rest of the litter. The, the rest, each are redeemed. Each one is redeemed. The rest are redeemed. The rest are blessed. They're redeemed from out from under the curse. That's what we need to understand about our finances. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Must be. All right. Now here's point number two. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Exodus 23, verse 19. You can stay in Exodus 13 and we'll come back to that in just a moment. Exodus 23, 19 says, the first of the first fruits. I think he just wants to make sure you understand it's first. <laughs> not second, not last. The first of the first fruits of your land. Now watch this. You shall bring, not give, bring into the house of the Lord your God. Not, not to a Christian school, uh, not to a charity, uh, not to a, 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 a university, to the house of the Lord. It's all through Scripture. It's amazing to me how we've missed this. You shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. In other words, every time you get paid. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your bats will overflow with new wine. The first portion belongs to God. The firstborn belongs to God. The first fruits belong to God. Um, if you remember when Israel went in to conquer the promised land, God said something very strange when you think about it, unless you understand this principle. He said, all bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of God. It is consecrated. It's a big word for set apart. It is set aside for the house of God. All of the silver and gold from Jericho. Okay, now here's the question. Why didn't God say bring 10%? Okay, listen, it's real simple. Because Jericho was the first city. He said, you bring me all of the silver and gold from the first city, like the firstborn, and the rest will be taken care of. And when they kept part of it, they lost the next battle. And when they did bring it then, they kept winning. It, it, it's, it's so simple. It's just all through Scripture. If you give the first to God, everything else comes under the blessing. It comes out from under the curse. Um, when I was in Bible college, one of the students asked one of the professors, um, why did God accept Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's? And I'm very proud of the professor. To this day, I think I'm proud of him because he gave an answer that I never heard a professor give before. He said, I don't know. So I thought that was good because most of the time a professor will just talk five minutes even if he doesn't know. So, but he said, I don't know. But when you understand the principle of firstborn and first fruits, it's simple. It's simple. Watch it. Let me read it to you, right? Genesis 4, 3 through 5. And in the process of time, now I want you to watch, watch, that's very important. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought 
an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice you never see the word first. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Simple. Now, here's a couple of things I want you to know. First of all, I'm tired of people telling me, well, tithing was under the law, so we don't have to tithe. Well, adultery was under the law, too. <laughs> Are you saying that because we're Christians? See, it, it's crazy. If it was wrong under the law, it's still wrong. Adultery was wrong, it's still wrong. Murder was wrong, it's still wrong. Okay, if it was right under the law, it's still right. Tithing was right under the law. But 400 years before the law, Jacob tithed. 500 years before the law, Abraham tithed. I just read you out of Genesis 4, 2,500 years before the law. And one brother gives the firstborn, and one doesn't give first fruits, and God doesn't accept the one that's not first. This has been a principle. And if you want to see tithing, go even before Cain and Abel. <laughs> even before Cain and Abel. God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in the garden, says, you can have everything except that. That's mine. Don't touch that. Don't eat that. That's mine. That tree right there, that's mine. That's, a, that's a, a, an image of the tithe. He says, listen, you, you can have it. Not the first 10%, though. That belongs to me. God is always, listen, setting us up to be blessed. But we have to pass the test. Will we honor God with the first? If we will, the rest is redeemed. The rest is blessed. Now, I need you to understand something about Cain and Abel. It says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. Here, here's what Cain was saying. You know, I know I'm supposed to give you the first, but I'll give what I want when I want. And God said, I won't accept it. Now, please hear me. We Christianize it, but we do the same thing Cain did. Pastor, I give as I feel led. What, what does that mean? The Bible tells you how to give. That's like, like a, a husband saying to me, Pastor... I love my wife when I feel led. No, the Bible says, love your wife and lay your life down for her, whether you feel led or not. Right. Pastor, I honor my husband when I feel led. Well, you may not ever honor him because men aren't worthy of honor. Let me just let you know that right now. That's, that's not going to happen then. You do it because the Bible says to do it. Pastor, I give what I want when I want. Listen to me carefully. You have the heart of Cain not the heart of Abel. And I'm going to tell you something else. Not only God won't accept your offering, God can't accept your offering. There are some things God can't do. And it's amazing to me people argue about this. I have a huge burden for correct theology, a huge burden. I wish people would simply study the attributes of God. If you simply knew the attributes of God, attributes are things attributed to him, or they, it comes from the word tribe. It literally means associated with who he is and who the people of God are. And, and what it means is it's things that God is, not that he does. In other words, we, says, we say uh, God loves. Yes, God loves but he, because he is love. He is love. He can never not be love. He is love. Okay, so let me just tell you some things God can't do because I'm going to tell you God can't be second. He can't. And I'll just name a few of the attributes to help us understand. Here's one thing God can't do. God can't change. He can't change. Uh, this is called the immutability of God. Okay, the reason God can't change is because if he could change, he could get better. And he can't get better because he's best. He's perfect. 
God's perfect. God can't change. That's why God can't change. Uh, let me tell you something else God can't do, and this one might shock you a little bit. God can't think the way we think. Now, I pause there to, to give you the disclaimer because I know the Bible talks about his thoughts, but it actually proves my point, and I'll, I'll explain to you in a moment. One, the reason God can't think that the way we think is because of the omniscience of God. Omni means all. Science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. Okay. God can't think the way we think. Let me tell you why. Because we think to figure things out. Okay, God's not trying to figure anything out. God knows everything. As a matter of fact, hopefully this will help blow your mind if you just think about something. God knows everything at the same time. Let me say it another way, okay? Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what just occurred to me? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. God has never said that. God can't think the way we think. And the scripture that you might have thought of a moment ago when I said God can't think about the thoughts of God actually proved this doctrine. Here's what God actually says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you think. As the heavens are above the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So there are some things God can't do. Let me tell you what else God can't do. God can't be second. This is called the preeminence of God. Eminence is the highest or above. And pre means before or first. God is not only higher and above all, he's first and before all. He's higher than all, before all, and first of all. God can never be second. Like he can't, uh, he's perfect. He can't be second. He can't be second. Now listen to me very carefully. You say, well, but God might not be first in my life. Listen, he can't be second. What I'm trying to tell you is if he's not first in your life, he's not operating in your life because he only operates from the highest place. That's who he is. So you don't give God leftovers. He doesn't accept leftovers. He says it all through Scripture. I, there's so many Scripture. I wish I could just, I, I hope you get the book, The Blessed Life, because I go through so many Scriptures. He says, you bring me the lame and the blind and the maimed. You don't bring me your best. I don't accept these. I will not accept these. I cannot accept these. Let me give you another something to help understand how God's always first. If God plays 18 holes of golf, his score will be 18. Because if God hits the ball, it's going in the hole. This is who he is. Please hear me. If God's not first in your life, he's not operating in your life. Because he only operates from the standpoint of being first. He has to. It's who he is. So the firstborn belong to God. The first fruits belong to God. And here's number three. The tithe must be first. It's, it's just all through Scripture. You have to give the first to God. Leviticus 27.30 says, And all the tithe of the land, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the tree or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. That's the same thing he said about firstborn and first fruit. It belongs to the Lord. It is holy. Again, a big word for set apart. It is set aside, set apart to the Lord. Firstborn belongs to God. First fruits belong to God. The tithe belongs to God. It belongs to God. And the only way that we can ever return something to God that belongs to Him is that it be first. Um, all right, let me give you an example. Let's say that you have a landscape company and you say, 
come to me and I, I say, I want these bushes and these trees and, you know, these beds in my yard and all. And you say, okay, Pastor Robert, it, uh, this is the bid for the job. Uh, this is what all the materials will cost. This is what all my labor will cost. This is all my expenses. And this is what the overhead will cost. And then this will be my profit. My profit will be $1,000. That will be my salary to do this job for you. I say, great. So at the end of the job, I pay all the expenses. I pay all the labor. The tithe is not on all of that. It's on whatever your your salary is, okay? That's what we tithe on, uh, your increase, okay? So uh, you do the whole thing. And then at the end, I give you 10 $100 bills, okay? So you have 10 $100 bills in your hand, all right? I'm going to ask you two questions. Here's the first question. You have $1,000, 10 $100 bills in your hand. How much is the tithe? Okay, I know this is math. Um, This will be the only math question I ask you. The whole okay, okay. You have ten one hundred dollar bills. Tithe. The word tithe in the Hebrew means tenth. It means one tenth. Ten one hundred dollars. Okay, I know you probably just thought, oh, I didn't know he wanted me to answer. So I'm just playing playing with you. Uh, So if you have ten one hundred dollar bills, how much is the tithe? Hundred dollars, right? Okay. All right. Here's the second question. Which one is the tithe? First, yeah, you're saying that because you're listening to this message and you're in church. And that's good. That's good. I'm glad. But how do you know which one's the first? Let me tell you. It's the first one to leave your hand. That's the one that has the blessing on it. That's the one that is the redemptive portion that has the ability to bless the other nine. The first one that leaves your hand, that's the first. See, once you get it, now what are you going to do with it? Well, the, whatever you do with the first one, that's what's important. See, if you go home and say, okay, I'm going to set aside some for the mortgage, some for the car, some for the food, and here's God's. That's not the tithe. You, put the, you gave God the last portion, not the first portion. And you actually gave the first portion to the mortgage company. And can I say something? Don't give the first portion to the mortgage company. The mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. And we ought to know that after the last few years in this country. <laughs> The first portion is the redemptive portion. The first portion is God's portion. God doesn't take leftovers. Here's what happens sometimes. Well, I've got to pay these bills. I've got to pay this bill. Oh, there's not enough left over for God. What happens many times is there's not even enough left over to pay the bills because we gave the first portion to the electric company. The first portion goes to God. I've been doing this for years, and it's amazing what happens when you do this. Here, for me, I get paid the 15th and the 30th, and it's direct deposit. So on those days, uh, while I'm having my quiet time, I go online now and, and give the tithe. Now, for, for my wife and me, we, it's a double tithe is our, our basis. And again, as I told you, we give much, much more than that. But it's, it, the reason I do a double tithe is because I'm, in Leviticus, I was reading years ago, and he said, if, and I'm going to paraphrase it, if, if a person has a field and he wants that field to belong to God, he, he wants to give the whole field to God, he can come to the priest and say, I'm going to give my field to, to God, but I need the field to feed my family. And that's all I want it for is to feed my family. And he said, you can do that if you'll, you can redeem it, you can lease it back from God in essence, if you'll give one fifth of it to God. And I'm reading that one day and I just had this epiphany and I just thought, Lord, my field is my job. That's my field. That's what, that's what I... But I don't want it to be my job anymore, God. I want it to be your job. So I had a little ceremony. I said, Lord, I give you my job. But I, I need it to feed my family. So from this day forward, this was 1985, over 25 years ago, 
I will give one-fifth of it back to you. From now on, every time I receive something, immediately 20% will go back to you immediately. And as I said, we've given more than that every year consistently. But that's just that's my that's what I consider my tithe. Okay. So when I when I get paid on the fifteenth thirtieth that morning during my quiet time, I go online and I immediately give twenty percent to Gateway Church, my home church. Your tithe goes to your home church. Okay. So, boom, just like that. Now, let me explain something to you. I'm not legalistic about this. Okay. I'm not legalistic about this, and God's not legalistic. I don't know if you know this. God is not a legalistic God. God is a relationship God. God gave the law for two reasons. God gave the law, number one, to show us the moral absolutes of God, to show us his standards, to show us. In other words, if you want to know if God is for or against adultery, read the law. It'll tell you he's he's against it if you don't know. And the reason, by the way, he's against it is because it hurts people. The reason God is against sin is he's for people. Sin hurts people. It's like saying God doesn't like car wrecks. The reason he doesn't like car wrecks is not because he doesn't like cars. It's because he loves people. And car wrecks hurt people. So anything God's against is because he's for you. You all got that? Okay. All right. So, so he gave the law for two reasons. One, to show the moral absolutes of God. Two, listen, many people don't know this, but this Paul says it about three times in Scripture. He gave the law to frustrate us, to bring us to Christ. He wanted us to come to Christ. When he gave the law, matter of fact, he said, have all the people come up the mountain. And they said, no, no, Moses, you go. And God said, what? You, you don't want a relationship? Okay. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. I'd rather have a relationship. But if you want the law, if you want to try to do it by the law, that's what we will do it. So God gives it to frustrate us. And if you don't think, by the way, that the law is frustrating, read Leviticus. <laughs> there is a whole chapter on what you have to do if you get a scab. <laughs> A whole chapter. I'm not, I'm not making this up. What you have to do, you get a scab. And I can just see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit coming up with the law and just laughing, you know, and, and saying, say if they do that, they have, to, they have to wait seven days. No, no, say 10. No, say 14, and they have to bring two turtle doves with them. <laughs> They'll never do all that stuff. And they're like, yes, because what they wanted was relationship, and they want us to come when they say, I can't do this. That's great, because Jesus already did. Jesus already did it. Come on. That's it, okay? So I am not legalistic about that. Uh, I, it's a principle in my heart is what I'm saying. For instance, it, let's just say I'm having my, I, uh, I get up early on the 15th and I, I have to go to an early morning meeting. And then I'm in meetings all day and I don't have my quiet time that day. I don't have my quiet time every day just in case you, to let you off the hook. And neither does Pastor Greg. He's as unspiritual as I am. Just want you to know, okay? I know that you, okay, just, we're all just people, okay? We all have busy schedules. It's a priority. It's a heart thing, not a, not a law thing. It's the same with the tithe, okay? So, so let's just say I go and I don't do it, and I come home that night, and I think, oh, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't have my uh, quiet time today. I didn't do the tithe. This is the 15th. So I go online, and when I do it, I notice that Debbie's gone to the grocery store that day. I don't say to her, oh, that's great, honey. We're cursed now. <laughs> Two more weeks, we're cursed because, you know, you, get, you gave the tithe to the grocery store. You know, okay. That I'm not legalistic, and God's not legalistic about this. It's about the heart. But God knows my heart. And it's a principle that the first, because there are, there are people that say, I, I've given 10% for years, but I didn't know it was supposed to be first. Listen, to him who knows to do good and does it not, it is sin. You're okay because you didn't know, but now you know. <laughs> now you know. Okay, go back to Exodus 13. Let me just show you one more thing, and then we're finished here. Um, in Exodus 13, we stopped at verse 13. Look at verse 14. 
So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this that you shall say to him by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage? And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore... I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Now, this is going back to the sacrifice or redeem and the firstborn, okay? Let me, let me just say what he's saying here. Here's what he's saying. There's going to come a day when your son is going to get a little bit older, and he's going to ask you why you're doing this. Now, think, of, think about this, okay? The son, it runs into the house. He says, Dad, Dad, the sheep is having a lamb. It's, it's the first one. And the dad said, oh, good. So they head out the house, and the dad grabs the butcher knife off the counter as they head out. Okay? They get out, and they say, oh, I said, oh, the miracle of life. That's beautiful. And the dad grabs a lamb, cuts his throat. And the little boy is watching this. Now, personally, again, just my whole imagination, I'm thinking, he's thinking, uh, don't mess with dad. <laughs> I, I don't know what that lamb did, but <laughs> I'm, not, you know, I'm not doing that. Okay. So he doesn't understand. Why would they understand? Every time, there's, every time one of their animals has a firstborn, dad kills it. Okay. Now, as he gets a little older, one day, this, this is what I imagine happened. He, he, the dad comes in from the field and the son says, um, Dad, um, can, can you sit down just a moment? Um, you know, Dad, you, you asked me to uh, you know, start taking over the books. And um, uh, Dad, um, you, you might not even know you do this, um, but... Um, uh, well, you, you have a bad habit, um, and um, it, it seems like, I may be wrong, Dad, you know, uh, but it seems like uh, every time uh, uh, one of our animals has its firstborn, well, um, how shall I say, you um, kill it. And um, uh, I've been looking over the books, and Dad, you, you, you've killed uh, uh, 36 animals this year. And uh, this is cutting in our profits. Dad, we're in the ranching business. You know, we're, we're, I just think, are you even aware you do this? Do you, do, do, have you ever thought about, you know, this little habit you have and all? And, I mean, just think about it. When you ask, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. And the father, God said that one day your son's going to ask you about this. And when he does, you set him down and you say to him, um, son, there's something about our family that you don't know. Um, we weren't always in the ranching business. As a matter of fact, son, um, we used to be slaves. We didn't have any land. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us. Therefore, we gladly give to God the firstborn of all of our increase because without God, we wouldn't have anything, son. Now, I've had that happen with all of my children. Every one of them in some way have asked me about the tithe. My firstborn, I remember the best. I'm in the, sitting in the office one day and I'm paying the bills. 
And what I used to do instead of doing it online is um, I would write the tithe check first, and then I would settle over to the side, and then I would pay the rest of the bill. For you younger people, we used to have these pieces of paper. They were called checks. <clears throat> okay. So anyway, so I wrote the tithe check to the church, and I'd settle over to the side, and then I'd write the rest of the checks, and then I'd take the check, and I'd put it in my wallet, and then I would I'd give it to take it and bring it to church, you know, when I'd go on the weekend. Could be a Tuesday or Thursday when I did this, but okay, that's the way I would do it. So the tithe check's sitting over here. I'm paying the bills. My son comes in. He's old enough now to read and write and understand a little bit about numbers and all. And he looks over at this check, and his eyes got big, you know, because it looks like a gazillion dollars, you know, to a kid, you know. He said, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? You know, because he gives like a quarter, you know, or something. Let me... And right then I remembered the scripture. And I remembered what God had redeemed me out of. And I took my son and I set him on my lap and I said, Son, I'm going to tell you something that you don't know. And I hate to tell you this, son, but your daddy wasn't always a Christian. As a matter of fact, your daddy was a very, very bad man. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered your daddy. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of my income. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just take a moment like we did last week and just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask Him. I hope that you understand that putting God first in your life is the number one thing you can do. And I hope that you make a commitment today. Lord, every time I get paid, I know now that the first portion is the portion that redeems the rest. I now know that it's the portion with the blessing. It is also, according to the Bible, the thankful portion. In other words, wherever you give the first portion is the one that you thank for your income. It is our thankful portion. And Lord, from now on, I'm going to make sure that I thank you and that I honor you with the first portion. Please make that commitment. If you have to lower your standard of living to do this, if you have to sell something to do it, I promise you, you will increase your standard of living many, many times over in the years to come by honoring God with the first portion. What's God saying to you? I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to turn it back over to the campus pastor. But I'm asking you today, make this commitment and watch what God does. Lord, I pray that you will take the truth of your word and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will cause this to take root in our hearts
so that it will bear fruit. Lord, for your kingdom and for our own families. Lord, I pray that every person, every person listening will say from now on, I'm putting God first in this area of my life. And Lord, I know, according to your word, that you will bless us. So not only do we live the blessed life, but we can be a blessing. In Jesus' name.